0: Welcome to Demand and Disrupt, the Disability Podcast. Here we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press based in Louisville, Kentucky.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Demand and Disrupt. I'm Lisa McKinley, your new host number two. Kimberly and I will be sharing some of the hosting, so I'm so excited to to be here and to be able to conduct this next interview. If you've been listening to the podcast for some time, you may have recognized that many of the guests featured on the podcast have also been featured in the book, Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to do so. You can find it on Kindle as well as Bard Mobile. Our next guest is actually chapter 23 in the book. And if you have been listening to the podcast, you already know her. You already love her. It is the one and only Miss Kimberly Parsley. Kimberly is a writer, podcaster, life skills coach, and disability advocate. She lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky with her husband, Michael, and their two children. Welcome, Kimberly. How are you? I am great. Thank you. They know me. They love me. I love that. I
0: love all the people.
1: They do love you. <laughs> you are chapter 23 in the book.
0: I do. I give Dave much grief about putting me so late in the book. I,
1: I loved it though. It was great.
0: Oh, thank you. I think this. I'll take this opportunity to give Dave more grief about putting me so near the end, but I, I figure... I figure he wanted to, you know, anchor the end with a really cool person. So he chose me.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> what I say. That's definitely <laughs> what I say. Um, in the book, you talk about VHL. Um, that is what led to your um, blindness and some of the disabilities. Can you tell us a little bit more and, and what does that stand for?
0: Sure. VHL, it, it stands for Von Hippel Lindau. Um And, you know, diseases always have weird names and it is a rare genetic disease. It is considered a cancer, even though not all of the tumors that it causes are malignant, but that is the hallmark of uh, VHL. It's what it does. It causes tumors in the eyes. That was me. Uh, The brain, also me. In the spinal cord, it also causes, when I had a tumor in the kidneys, that was malignant. That was cancer. Liver basically everywhere that you have organs, you can pretty much have a VHL tumor. So we fight them all the time. It's constant scans of everything to check for them. We don't take them out until they start to cause problems. They did with my eyes, obviously, even though I had, when I was young, something like 30 operations. No, I don't count to try to save my sight, but it just Every time you, every time you do surgery, you also cause scar tissue and scar tissue causes problems, especially in something as delicate as a retina. It was a surgery at my spinal cord C2 that led to the loss of my ability to use my left hand. But again, that was starting to already cause problems. It had to be dealt with Uh, the uh, ramifications of not dealing with it outweighed the risks. And that is pretty much what we do with BHL is it's risk management with every tumor. So that was a long explanation.
1: (laughs) Goodness, that must be quite a journey. You first lost your vision. um, You talk about in the book at age 14. And then later, um, I think you talk about losing the use of your left hand. So you've basically been on both sides of the coin, having one disability and then having multiple disabilities. What is it like? you know, comparing the two.
0: It is terrible. I blindness. I think I, I say I would go blind 30 times instead of having losing the use of my hand. But I think it's less that the use of the hand was so bad. It's more that having the two things together, because if I had sight, I could compensate not being able. I mean, I have no feeling in that hand. So if I couldn't, I mean I can grip things. I just can't feel. So I, um, I, I can't sense I, I can't feel anything. Like I have no idea how tight I'm holding on to something, but I can hold on to it. But if I could see, then I would be able to see how hard to grip. So probably that that neuropathway would have already regenerated based on you know, the sight would compensate for the sensation and over time your, your body just learns, but I don't have that. And it's, it's not uncommon. I I know several people who have the disease that I have, who have gone through the same thing, uh, with either their left hand or their right. It, the multiple disability, I was always like in the nineties, we did the whole, you know, Oh, I'm just like everyone else disability. I'm just as independent and, and all those things we, we did in the nineties. And now we don't really talk about disability in that way anymore because, you know, I am different. I do have, I do have limitations. I can do things. I just need to do them differently. And I don't, I don't think I was ready to talk about that until the multiple disabilities came up and that I, I have a lot of uh, compassion for people with like cerebral palsy because they deal with this. Uh, they, they have very much inspired me because they deal with multiple multiple issues multiple limitations mu- multiple avenues that they have to use to go around their disabilities and so i have gotten a lot of support from that community
1: i have a tremendous amount of respect for for you and how you know you are you've written several novels tell us about that that's incredible i wish i could write all I ever
0: wanted to be was a writer. And I used to write, well, I'd write everything. I mean, I've written poetry, I've written essays. I used to write romance novels and I love doing that because they are, are, are so fun. You can just go so many places with that. I wrote under a pen name because I wrote with my best friend. She and I, she'd write a book and I'd edit it. And then I'd write a book and she'd edit it. And we wrote under the pen name. Molly Jameson, and we wrote a series called The Royal Romances. And it, I love doing that. And it, uh, I also wrote a series of fantasy novels. And that was back in like, that was like before 2010. Well, it was before 2008 because I did it before I had my son. Because after that, I was too tired to write anything. And then I lost the, I, I wrote an entire novel on an iPhone. Goodness. I did. I kid you not. It was not fun, but I did it. But then I realized it was so not fun that I didn't want to write any more novels. However, I just got back into trying to use a keyboard. And what I realized is I if I put I put the little stickers or dots on some letters, I can still type kind of fast with just one hand. I mean, with practice, I can see me getting back to, I mean, not, not ever writing it, you know, as fast as I used to, but at least getting back to enjoying writing. So I'm on that, I'm in that place where I'm really excited about a thing. Like I just bought a new keyboard for that purpose. So I'm excited, but also so worried because like, what if it doesn't work the way I hope? And I get, my hopes get dashed again, you know? And I think we in the disability community, we know what that's like. We know what that's like to hope for a thing. And or you hear a medical advance that this is going to fix your problem and you get psyched up and you're like, here we go. And no, it doesn't. So, but you know, you got to have hope. Um, However, I do love the show Ted Lasso. And there is a line in that it's the hope that kills you. So yeah, you know, both things can be true. Right.
1: It is so true. It's interesting that you say that you're so right. We, we get our hopes up and, and, but then at the same time, we realize not to get our hopes too high because Things like that happen with me. It's, it's, you know, I'm going to go here and do this and, Oh, wait, I need transportation. I <laughs> Maybe not venture out on this ledge right now, because, you know, as much as I want it to happen, it logistically, it cannot happen right now and it might have to wait till later. So you are so right, but I am sure you will pick, pick it up on handwriting incredibly well, and we will, hear more from you as a writer. And it's going to be Uh, from your lips to God's ears. Now you are also a life skills coach. Tell us about that.
0: That is something that I started doing after I stopped writing because I, I really needed something. And I just sort of happened into talking to people about multiple disabilities. And then from there, it led to, talking to people about dealing with chronic illness, because I mean, yes, I have disabilities, but I also have, you know, when you have to have an MRI every six months, you're pretty much chronic disability or chronic illness at that point. So uh, I sort of happened into it and realized that I, I hated to charge people, but then I realized, you know, people have money, people like to spend money, people, and I have a service, which Given a lot of the doctors these days, my service is just as valuable. I I sort of consider it sometimes like a medical doula. Like some of the things that I do coaching-wise are helping people navigate the healthcare system. You know, I mean, if there are some people who are going to the doctor by themselves and they're overwhelmed, I teach coach them through, okay, let's talk about what you really want to know. Let's talk about what questions you want to ask the doctor. Let's talk about what's your strategy when. You still have questions, but that doctor is already getting up and walking to the door. Okay. Can, and, and I help them say, excuse me, I, I I really need some more support. Can you sit down and while we talk some more about this, you know, because that we view medical professionals as authority figures. And so we don't like to tell them what to do, but you know what you're paying them. They're working for you. And that is something that I, I like doing. And I've sort of happened into making a business out of it. And I enjoy helping people in that way. I enjoy talking with people. Sometimes it's behavior modification. Like let's think about this thing in a different way so that we can approach it and not be, you know, all the time, just feeling bad about our disability. It's uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's uh, it's, I didn't realize life skills coaching would allow me so much creativity, but it does because it allows me to be creative in how I help someone else come to a solution to an issue that they're having. So I enjoy it
1: a lot. It's, It's a very necessary thing. I mean, there are times in my life I wish I could have had someone walk me through the process. Um, Our son, he was born with a congenital heart defect Mm -hmm. and just navigating Mm -hmm. that the first year. And now we find out he has a hearing impairment. So just navigating that to have somebody walk alongside you. And to help you through the process, somebody who's been there before—that is invaluable. That is invaluable. So, thank you for doing that.
0: It—it is—it is something that shouldn't be the way it is. It should—I mean, people get this terrible news, and especially if it's your first baby. Oh my gosh, uh, that's already such a hard and terrible time, and then to, to navigate the healthcare system at the same time—it it is. As a society, we should be ashamed. We should just be ashamed that that this happens, and you know, rise up. We can change it, but it, it takes us rising up and working to change it. But that's the thing, isn't it? When you're already sick or you're already dealing with a baby and everything, changing a system is just not top of your priority, right?
1: No. And and everyone, everyone needs an advocate, you know, be it peer support, life skills. You need somebody to walk through that process with you. And if you're in the hospital, you need to take someone because who knows? what's going to happen if you don't. So thank you for that. Have you (laughs) learned anything about yourself through the process that you might not otherwise would have?
0: I learned that one of the main things that I've learned is how often I myself tell myself that I'm not enough, how much I blame myself instead of a system that doesn't work for me because I see it in other people and you know, you it's so much easier to see things in yourself when you're seeing them in other people. And I I see the people I coach blaming themselves. Like you mentioned transportation, you know, for example, I would see someone who would blame themselves because they are blind and can't get to their kids thing event or whatever. And I have done, I have been there. I have done that. And I like to, I would like to think, no, but those days are behind me, but they're not every single day. Like technology oh it thwarts me at every turn I swear and I'm like well if I could see or if I could use an a, a real computer a keyboard or whatever and use two hands this wouldn't happen but yet ask anybody non-disabled sighted whatever technology is a constant struggle but one of the things I learned about myself is I still blame my disability for things that are you know I'm not enough I did it wrong I'm stupid about this kind of thing and Even though I know better, I know not to do it. I still do it.
1: So interestingly, that kind of leads us into the next uh, question. It seems like through the journey, you've kind of recognized that maybe you weren't always having compassion on yourself. And what would you say about self-compassion and how important is that for us with disabilities and even those people who don't have disabilities? Talk about self-compassion for a minute.
0: Well, compassion, I mean, that's, this, this is not how Americans roll, is it? It's the pull yourself up by by your bootstraps, which is uh, the whole bootstrap thing was meant to be a joke. It's like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps through the straps on the back of your shoes was like how you would end up face down in the dirt. That's what pulling yourself up by the bootstraps meant. It meant a stupid way to get nowhere, but somehow we have turned it around to be like this thing to be the be all end all, you know? pull yourself up by your bootstraps, come from nothing and overcome. And there is no compassion in that for yourself. And it makes, I mean, sure, there are people who can, there are exceptions, right? There always are. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't try, but I am saying have compassion for yourself where you are in your life. If you want something different, that is okay. And you know what? Let's work on that. Strive for more that is fine, but you cannot live in strive mode all the time. No one can. Your brain is just not equipped for that. So compassion is, is looked down upon. I mean, we're, it's changing. It it is changing, I think, but in our society, self-compassion, people equate that to being lazy, right? Oh, you're just, you could do it if you just tried harder. Well, no amount of trying harder has ever made me see, you know, it just that that's not how it works. No amount of trying harder or working at it has ever made a zoom call connect if it is absolutely insistent on not connecting. So <laughs> instead of saying I didn't do something right, just try to have some compassion and, you know, I I try it, I fail at it daily. I think we all do, but there's another opportunity for compassion is look, life is not how much you do. Life is about enjoying where you are enjoying what you have, trying to live a life, not have a
1: life. That is beautiful. That is a sound bite right there. I love it. It it just self-compassion can be hard. And it's one thing that, you know, reconnecting with you, uh, we met, um, I don't know, 20 something years ago and then recently reconnected a few years ago and, and and when we did, I was very, I i did not give myself a lot of compassion and I would listen to you talk and you would tell me about, you know, life skills coaching and, and you just seem to have more compassion for yourself than maybe what I was having at the time. And I'm, I know that was a process, but I mean, it, it just, it was invaluable to me because now I can sit back and I can give myself grace. And, and I wasn't always like that. I'm, I'm very hard on myself. And I try to make myself small. And I think as, as members of the disability community, we oftentimes try to make ourselves small for the benefit of others. And, and yeah, I'm just now starting to see that's not, that's not where we need to be. Um,
0: uh, yeah, that, that is true. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're um, moving ahead because you were, you and uh, Patrick and your kids came over to my house and my children got to see another disabled person. Another disabled woman walking around in their house, and they were absolutely gobsmacked. And they told me, "Mommy, she doesn't run into things as much as you do."
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so you were definitely inspirational on uh, on my kids, and it, w- it was great for them. It's been great for me, obviously, and it's uh, to reconnect with you, and it's gonna uh, be great for our listeners. As I strong armed you into. Coming on the podcast because you have a background in uh, broadcast. So, I, I when I knew I needed uh, some other help on the podcast, you you were right there. So, thank you for well for letting me bully you into doing this. This is great.
1: Well, thank you. I hope I do it justice. <laughs> it's a, it's a little intimidating, but you know what the first time you do anything, it's always intimidating. And that's what we really want to get across to our listeners, I think is do things even if they're intimidating, because man, our lives can be intimidating. And we just need to get out there and do it afraid, or do it intimidated. You know, you're not gonna get anything done by just sitting around and thinking about what what I can do, and then not doing it, you just got to get out there and do it. Is there anything else we haven't, you know, hit on that you'd like our listeners to hear? No,
0: I think I I just, everyone in the book, everyone in the book, uh, a celebration of family stories of parents with disabilities. There's a plug for me. Um, Everyone in the book inspired me in some way. Some of the people I know, some of the people I just know from the book. And I say that I anchored the end chapters. There are no bad chapters in this book. I mean, everyone is, like you said, the word inspirational I hate that word, but I have learned something from everyone and they have inspired me. But I think it's okay for disability, people with disabilities to say that of other people. I just think we, we are not a show for the able-bodied to feel good about themselves. That's where the whole inspirational thing comes in. But I, the, the book is just so full of people who have, like you said, uh, do it afraid. They did it and we do it as disabled people because we don't really have any choice. But I I guess the other side of that is the self-compassion. Give yourself the space and the grace to make mistakes and know that everyone makes mistakes and then just try again, you know, do it afraid again. That's what it's about.
1: Thank you, Kimberly. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today. I know our listeners enjoy it again Uh, Kimberly is chapter 23 in the book a celebration of family stories of parents with disabilities Um, if you've not read it please do so it's incredible it's uplifting I wish I had something similar to read 20 years ago Um, if you if you're a parent with a child with a disability this book is for you because you see that you know the world is your child's oyster um Sometimes we get the diagnosis for our child and we think the world is over for them. You read this book, you see that's not true. If you have a disability yourself, check out the book. It is uplifting, empowering, encouraging. And if you just want to be a more decent human being, read the book. Because I promise after reading A Celebration of Family, you are going to be a better human being. It will change you and you will be better for it. So thanks again, Kimberly. Thanks again, listeners. Till next time.
0: Bye, thanks, Lisa.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: Thanks to Chris Duncan for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, The Celebration of Family, stories of parents with disabilities in our show notes thanks everyone you say you've seen a in me.
2: just for once i think i would agree